0: You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read
1: better. I'm author
0: and book devourer Mallory O'Meara.
1: And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're finally talking about fan fiction. Y'all have clamored for it. We are giving it to you. We are also getting into fan fiction and talking with Ariel Jovalanos and a friend of the show, Sarah Kuhn. And we solve a bookmark problem. We're here for the hard-hitting journalism, y'all.
2: Uh, <laughs> but first, we, have Bria, it all. we have it all.
1: What are you reading? I am reading a book to fulfill one of the Reading Glasses, Glasses, Glasses Challenge boxes. I am reading Gallant by V.E. Schwab, and it has an illustrator, got pictures, you Ooh. know, I like that, by Manuel Sunbarak. Um, This came out last year, and it won the Goodreads Choice Award for the Best Young Adult Fantasy and Science Fiction. Uh, what it checks off is uh, it has a um, main... Uh, protagonist with a uh, with a disability. Um, it is about this young woman, and she's at a school for girls. Oh, wow. Everyone's ears just perked Ooh, yeah. up. But she leaves. She does leave. She's always, like, been in this school for girls, but she never totally fit in, and this letter arrives, and it's like, hey we're expecting you to be at this place, this house uh, called Gallant. Gallant. I don't know how you say it. Uh, And uh, you got to come. And um, so she arrives and she's mute. Um, She doesn't speak. And uh, she arrives, and her cousin's like, I didn't tell you to come to this house. And her cousin's like, you know, everything's weird. The other thing about Olivia you need to know is that she can see ghouls. Ghouls what? and ghosts everywhere she looks. So she was, she's only known this school for girls, so she's only lived there. So she thought it was just there, but then she arrives at this, like, spooky house... And they're like, you're a member of this family, and there's ghouls there, too. And now— You're a ghoul. (laughs) Surprise. And now she is learning more about herself and about her past, and she has this book that her mother left her that always said, you know, never return to this one place. So it's very, like, um, ominous. It's a lot of seeing ghouls so far, and then also, like, trying to figure out where she belongs because— She never knew her mother. Uh, She just always lived at this school for girls that has not been a good place for her. And now she's at this new house and she kind of does feel like she belongs there even though it's not probably a great place. And there's a little bit of a secret garden element to it for people who like that kind of thing. That I haven't, I'm only about halfway through it. So I don't know much if that ends up playing a big role, but I think it does um what are you reading i am reading a
0: fucking wild book
1: that i was talking to you about
0: before we started recording it's the it's coming out uh i think just in a week or so um it comes out may 16th so yeah just about a week after this this podcast comes out it's yellow face by rf kuang who wrote Babel, which was a big huge glasser book of last year and this is a very different book it's not a fantasy this is a i guess you would call it a real world thriller God, it is such a wild book. Um, it is about this woman, and she she's a young woman. She's white, and she is a um, a writer. And her she has, she's friends with kind of friend and me's with. They're not super close, but she's friends with this other writer who you know they went uh, to school together. Uh, but this writer always you know she was just, like, had that it factor. You know, her stories were always super... Her short stories were always super successful. Her first book deal, like, got a six-figure advance right out of the gate and hit the New York Times bestseller list while the main character's book, like, kind of flopped and didn't do very well. And, um, you know, this friend is always... You know, even though they're the same age, her friend is, you know, has multiple Netflix deals and a ton of money and just like super, super successful. And this girl is like, is just not doing great. And they're, um, out celebrating her latest Netflix deal. And the, the friend of hers is Asian and they're out celebrating her new Netflix deal. And they go, uh, back to her apartment one night. And then I won't tell you what happens, but it, and it totally is an act accident that, uh, the, the friend dies. And, uh, so she's like freaking out, not sure what to do. But then she notices that in the friend's office is her freshly typed, brand new draft of her next novel. And this friend doesn't, i, I she's dead now, but she doesn't use like comp- computers. She doesn't have like digital copies of anything. Oh,
1: wow. So wow, it's wow. not like
0: her agent has like another copy of it. This is the only copy of this book that exists in the world. So in a it, frantically, in, in like a, a moment of of decision she stuffs this manuscript into her backpack and like goes to the hospital and goes to the police station and eventually uh decides to edit this book and pass it off as her own and oh my God. her middle name is her name is her uh her, her previous because she's white her previous re- author name was June Hayward but her real name is Juniper Song Hayward so she changes her writing name to Juniper Song and uh, wow. start and, Passes the book off as her own. It's about like this is like war novel about Chinese laborers and World War Two, and uh, the book becomes a huge hit. And so all of a sudden she now has to uh, kind of navigate this whole thing of being kind of trying to like sort of pass herself off as racially ambiguous oh and God, trying to this like sounds say- amazing. It is so fucking wild. I was telling you before we started recording that I've never read a book where, like, it's so compelling and you can't put it down, but it's such a weird experience to read a book where you're desperately waiting for the main character, like, something bad to happen to the main character. Like, every step of the way, (laughs) this girl just gets more brazen and more bold and more, and, like, the stuff that she says, you're just like, oh, my God, I just want, like, you're waiting for something bad to happen to her. It is so it's it's hilarious like there's a lot of publishing humor in there it's super salty i i read r- one review that was like you have to kind of read it like through your fingers because it's like so you, the whole time you're just like oh my god I can't Ugh, this is happening it's cringe yeah but it's so fucking good it's definitely it's gonna be one of the huge books of the year and for a reason uh
1: so that is Yellowface by rf kuang and mine's gallant by v e schwab So we want to take a moment
0: to share some listener feedback. Jane wrote in to say, I'm a librarian who leads book groups and I often have assigned reading. Sometimes when I'm stuck in the reading, have gotten halfway in and still not really there, I'll skip to the back and read the last chapter. And from that last chapter, I'm usually interested enough to see how they got to that point. So I read the section before the last chapter and so on until I've progressed regressed to that middle point where I left off to skip to the back. The first time it happened was kind of a fluke. I was just really stuck and needed to see where the book was going. Since then, I've used the method a number of times, and even more weird, I can safely say I enjoyed the book. I can even lead
1: the book discussion. So she's reading a book backwards. That's so interesting. Wow. Jane, your mind must work in a really interesting way that you're able to do this. Yeah. I would love to hear from other people who do it. And then sometimes you just progress back to that middle point that is so interesting that's a am- that's
0: such a leave it to a librarian to come up with this like out of this world book hack really cool yeah
1: Kirby wrote in and said, Hey, Brian Mallory, I was just li- listening to episode 295. And when Bria mentioned the Texas Giant, I could not stop laughing. <laughs> I grew up in Shreveport. Shout out to Shreveport. I grew up near there, uh, which is very close to where Bria is from. Yes. And we would go to Six Flags over Texas every summer. I was always afraid to ride the Texas Giant, but that theme park was a big part of my childhood. And hearing it mentioned on my favorite podcast, Brighten My Day. Wow, I can't wait to see what you hear about the soap
0: P. I I was going to say, week. you think that. Uh- <laughs> that um, uh, Kirby has had a sopapilla.
1: Yes, I guarantee. Um, <laughs> over the f- years, I feel like Brie has mentioned a few things that were very specific to the Arklatex area, uh, which it, it's always funny to hear, but the Six flies reference really cracked me up. Cracked me up, thank you, for the show and making me laugh. Mallory, you probably don't know what Arklatex is, but Arklatex is where Arkansas, Louisiana, Louisiana and Texas, Texas meet, and they call that area the Arklatex, which is where I'm from. Wow. Yes, uh, but Texas Giant, which we found out, It's not there anymore, right? I think they they made made it into a
0: steel roller coaster. It's no longer a wooden roller coaster.
1: Yeah, they were like, probably for the best. I think somebody died, right? I know something bad happened or something, or it was about to, if it didn't. So glad that it happened. (laughs) Glad they redid it.
0: Aaron wrote in to say, Dear Brian Mallory, I've been listening to Reading Glasses for a while now, and I have to say how nice it is to tune in every week. I used to work in a bookstore, and I got to see all the new releases as they came out, but since moving out of retail, I don't feel as in the know anymore. Hearing you talk about books you're reading, upcoming books you're excited about, and Hidden Gems really brings me a lot of happiness. I wanted to share something with you that other glassers may be interested in. Recently, I- oh, this is it. This is the... um uh." The book party that we were talking about last oh, episode. Oh, we did it backwards. Okay, okay, I was okay, like, okay. I knew yes, yes, in, yes, Okay, so this is Aaron. So Aaron says, Recently I hosted a little party wherein everyone was to bring a wrapped up book so no one could see the cover or title. Then we went around Cute. in a circle and pitched our books based on themes, tropes, and genres. Once the pitches were done, we did a white elephant style gift exchange. Once everyone had a book, we unwrapped them together and spent a few hours just hanging out reading our books together. It was super fun, Aww. a great way to be introduced to something new and spend quality time with people, introvert style. Would highly recommend it as a thing to do for fellow glassers who want to hang out with friends and read separate books
1: together. And then at this party, Erin found out that some of the people at this party-, book party. At the book party. This is a book party. I loved it. Yeah, that's some more skimmers. They were Okay, wow. Okay, Wild. wow. We learned this last week. Okay, great. Wow. Oh. wow, that's a very cute idea for a party. I think it's so a great cute. Great idea for a party. This is so fun. Um, Priya, you want to read Aaron's Wheelhouse? Books featuring queer people and or people of color, beautifully constructed prose, mermaids. Believe me when I say The Mermaid, The Witch, and the Sea by Maggie Takuda Hall was the perfect book for me. Oh,
0: and quick shout out if you are... Uh, really, I know that The Mermaid, The Witch, and the Sea was a really big Glasser book. The sequel is coming out this year, The Siren, The Song, oh. and The Spy by Mag- Maggie Takuta Hall. If you are interested in that, you should pre-order it right now because I'm going to pre-order it. I love The Mermaid, The Witch, and the Sea, and I know a lot of you people out there did too. So check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. And you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And just to remind people, folks, my book is coming out this month. Oh, my God. It is coming out in one, wow. two, th- Ooh. one, two, two and a half weeks. That is fucking crazy. But you can still pre-order it. Uh, if you have a kid in your life that loves movies or videos or art or creativity in any way, you should pre-order Girls Make Movies. It is a nonfiction book. It is a really interesting nonfiction book because it's a pick-your-own-path book. So I think it's the world's first pick your own path nonfiction book but it teaches you how to make a movie and all kinds of cool women's history and uh has all kinds has a little like tracking area in the back so girls can like write down all the movies they watch and what they think of them and uh like you know who the directors were and who the writers were and stuff it's just like a really great book for for anyone between the ages of 10 in a hundred that loves movies and wants to know how they're made. And uh, there's amazing illustrations in them from my friend, Jen Vaughn. And I'm really, really excited about it. And we are having a book launch at Skylight Books. So if you are in Los Angeles and you want to come party with me and Jen uh, on May 26th, that's a Friday at Skylight Books in LA. It's going to be super fun. Please come out and uh, get your book signed. It is going to be kid friendly. I will be not swearing the entire event. Be real proud of me. You can bring your kids, you can bring your teens. Um, I'm really excited about it. So there'll be a link in the show notes for that. And before we talk about fan fiction, we're going to take a quick break.
1: Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Earth Breeze. Have you ever wondered why laundry detergent comes in massive plastic jugs that end up in landfills and oceans? Now there's a better way to do laundry with Earth Breeze.
0: Earth Breeze laundry detergent eco sheets, they look like dryer sheets, but they are not. They are revolutionary liquidless laundry detergent that dissolves 100% in any wash cycle, hot or cold. No measuring, no mess, and no heavy plastic jugs. Just toss the sheet in. Bria, Why is laundry detergent, like liquid laundry detergent, always sticky? It just gets Uh, everywhere. It really
1: does get everywhere. You're right. I hate, and my laundry room is always slightly sticky. Yes. It's really gross. I loved these little sheets. It's exactly what it sounds like. It is, they're little things that look like dryer sheets and they have on, on the box it tells you, okay, if you're doing a light load, you just need one sheet. If you're doing a super heavy load, do two sheets. So you know exactly how much you need to put in there. And there's no leftover jug that's going to end up in the ocean. So for all of you people who are trying to make less trash, less work for the environment, this is a great way to start. And my clothes came out. I picked the unscented kind. They came out. They smelled like nothing, which is what I want. (laughs) And they were. What are you hunting stuff? (laughs) (laughs) I just think it easily get headaches, and this is a problem for me. And this was wonderful. My clothes were clean. Everything looked great. I love these. I'm not going back. Why would I go back to giant jugs? And you were try to carry one of those jugs home from the grocery store? Oh, what a pain in the ass. I like it because
0: I like working out. But you know <laughs> what happened? The worst thing happened a few months ago where I we got one of those really, really big ones, and I thought it was in a secure place on top of uh, the washing machine. No, 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 and no, I no. put a load in and I went out to the garage to go work out, and I came back and Jeremy, my boyfriend, was scrubbing the floor, the whole thing. Because when the washer started going, the whole thing dumped on the floor, and now our rug is the cleanest it's ever been. Oh, wow. We wasted a lot of money, and, man, like, I remember thinking that day. I was like, man, this laundry detergent is so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now all my problems are solved. So you can switch from the old-fashioned goo to something new. Right now, the glassers can subscribe to Earth Breeze and save forty percent. Go to EarthBreeze.com/glasses to get started. That's EarthBreeze with a Z.com/glasses for forty percent off. EarthBreeze.com/glasses glasses glasses The following pro wrestling contest is scheduled for one fall. Making their way to the ring from the Tights and Fights podcast are the baddest trio of audio, the hair to beware, Danielle Radford. It really is great hair. The Brit with a permit to hit. Lindsay Kel. The Queen is dead. Long live the Queen! And the fast talking, fist clocking, howl upland. See, I can wrestle and be an announcer. Get ready for tights and fights. Listen every Saturday or face the pain. Find us on Maximum Fun. Now
1: ring the bell.
0: This week, we're finally doing it. We are talking about fan fiction. What is it? (laughs) Where do you find it? And most importantly for our listeners, how do you track your reading of it? And does it count as real reading? First off, if you are unfamiliar, let's define fan fiction. Fan fiction is simply unofficial stories written by fans. They normally feature characters of existing properties and universes, and they range from st- short stories to multi hundred thousand word epics. They could be about huge franchises like The Hunger Games or relatively unknown books. They could be about movies, TV shows, video games, books, comics, almost anything, even snack mascots. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, the Cheeto. Tiger has some fan fiction written
1: about him. Um, is the t- is Cheetos a tiger? Oh no, he's a cheetah. He's a cheetah. And then the Frosted Flakes is a is the tiger. Tiger, They're, Yes. Is he a tiger? Yeah, he's a tiger. Anyway, okay. A little history <laughs> about fan fiction, not about uh, 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 snack mascots. Um, so some <laughs> of our greatest classics they can be cas- ca- classified as fan fiction. Dante's Inferno, right? Technically. That's just an expansion of Mallory's favorite book, the Bible. Uh, one of the places, um, there's a really great article on the, in the Atlantic about fan fiction. And one of the places that people point to that they really start, that saw a lot of it was Gulliver's Travels. Um, they loved that book. People loved that book. They started making art about it, including uh, there was, there's a famous engraving of Gulliver getting a Lilliputian enema. Uh, what? made after like a really tiny made, enema? No, no, no. The people. The people were crawling in his butt. I guess. Whoa, 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 whoa! And there is there was an engraving made like right after it came out as like a a fan, uh, like some fan art. But there was also fan fiction made about it. (laughs) Jesus fucking. Um, I I will link to the article because there's a lot of stuff about um, uh, fan fiction from the last few centuries, um, and also uh, the legality around it because there has been. Um, you know, J.K. Rowling, a bunch of people have sued to to have uh people not write fanfiction about their, with their characters. Uh, the other thing I found really interesting, and this was from the internet, but the research was from a while ago, and I can link to that as well, but the vast majority of fanfiction is written by women. Uh, it seemed, the number was from, like, the 90s I saw, so I, I don't know if this holds up, holds true anymore, but at the time, it was like 90% of fanfiction wow. was written by women. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that has changed in the last... Few years, but I couldn't find a more updated number. But that's some facts about fan fiction. We'll link huh. to all those. And of facts about fan fiction. Uh,
0: <laughs> so, folks, if this sounds intriguing to you and you've never read fan fiction, well, here's where to find it. There's a lot of small niche places to find fan fiction, but some of the major places are fanfiction.net, uh, archive of our own, which is actually I think a Hugo winning website, which is wild. Yeah. Uh, And Wattpad, W-A-T-T, pad. Uh, Mostly sites are organized by type of property, such as book or movie with a bazillion subcategories for all the properties. So if you straight up are like, I want to read some uh, uh, Lord of the Rings fan fiction. You can go, like, there's a subcategory for Lord of the Rings. They got you covered. And speaking of subcategories...
1: Wow, yeah, there's a lot of subcategories in sub- in fan fiction, and lots of them are continuations of the series or their side adventures with the existing characters in the existing stories. or this is a big one is they mm-hmm. create romantic relationships between two characters that aren't in the story together, which we call is called shipping, where it's two characters who didn't weren't together in the story, but you put them together in the fan fiction or there's also subcategories of of the author putting themselves in the universe, a self insert of the author, uh, and there's a lot of crossover fan fiction uh, where people from other properties meet each other, like Frodo hanging out with Princess Leia. Yes. Uh, so
0: if you don't know, fan fiction is wicked fucking popular.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so remember our episode about what to do when you love a book so much that you want to stay in the world. Well. A lot of people deal with that by writing or reading fan fiction set in that universe. And it's not just huge established properties. Fan fiction writers work fast. The devil works fast, but fan fiction writers work faster. (laughs) There is a ton of fan fiction for things you might not expect. Uh, One thing I was really blown away by when I was uh, doing research for this episode, there's like over 70 uh, fan fictions written on Archive of Our Own about the Wayward Children series. Oh, I believe it. That
1: makes sense. Yeah, So much. I was like, that's so cool. Yeah, um, so you know what Mallory and I are going to say. Is fan fiction real reading, Mallory? Hell yeah, it is. Of course, yes, it's real reading. If it's, and if it's book length, you should count that shit for a book. Damn that is right. a book. Why not? And lots of fan fiction sites list the word count of each uh, fic as you might call them. So uh, it's if it's a novel or novella length, count that too if you want to. Because we yeah. know a lot of our listeners love fan fiction, but they feel like it's not like counting or something or it's not real books. This is totally real reading and totally worth your time. And some pieces of
0: book length fan fiction are actually on Goodreads. So if you want to track Mm -hmm. them, Uh, Storygraph, I think, is still catching up, but they're definitely there on Goodreads. Not all of them, obviously, because there's literally millions of them. But um, a lot of them, a lot of the big, really popular ones are on Goodreads. But if you track in a physical or digital personal reading journal, count it like a regular book. Note that it's fan fiction if you want, but you can totally count it. I mean, it's still a book length number of words. like that's a
1: book, and lots of authors that we know and love, they started as fan fiction writers. Mm-hmm. and some continue to write fan fiction alongside their novels, which is very cool. And fan fiction is a great way for new writers to cut their teeth. Um, a lot of traditionally published books are just approved fan fiction. yeah., uh, so IP novels like star Wars the Star Wars novels, for example, that, that's technically like a fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing is writing. Books need to stay out of it. Leave fan fiction alone. It is real reading. It is real writing.
0: Yes, absolutely. Now, Bria, have we ever read or written fan fiction?
1: Okay. Does Titan count? N- oh, you know what? Because we both read Titan during the Maximum we Fun Drive. Do. We read. And I would um, say that
0: that toes the line for a Gargoyles fan fiction.
1: For Gargoyles fan fiction. It's not quite there, but no, it is. No, but it's fucking close, man. I um I haven't delved into it otherwise, uh, but I like the idea of it, and I could see myself reaching it out, reaching out for it when I'm hankering for some more Sean McGuire or something that like definitely feels like these worlds that I'm really like immersed in. I could see myself going and trying to find more with these characters that I've grown to know and love. Uh, what about you? You see more fan fiction e than me? More, I am more predisposed to fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not as much as I
0: probably should have, considering who I am as a person. When I was in middle school, uh, a friend of mine printed out, um, I'm so fucking old, uh, this Lord of the Rings fan fiction, um, and I didn't realize it. I was actually talking to this friend uh, like a month ago, and she was like, oh my God, you remember when we would read that Lord of the Rings fan fiction that I would print out and bring to you in middle school? And I was like, oh my God, yeah. And she was like, you know who fucking wrote that? Cassandra Clare.
1: Oh yeah, I did read, her name comes up a lot with, um, they were these like
0: fake journals of the members of the fellowship as they were going through the, like the fellowship of the ring story. And they're like very horny. And me and my friend Melanie used to think that was, it was like the pinnacle of humor. We were like 13 and thought it was the funniest possible thing. (laughs) We were both really obsessed with Lord of the Rings. We loved it. Um. But I we were just, like, just getting on the internet at the time. And I was, like, 13. If I had known about Archive of Our Own, I probably would have read oh, God, way yeah. more. And I definitely used to write story set in the Lord of the Rings universe when I was, like, 12. If I had been able to connect to an online community about it when I was young, I probably would have gotten way more into it. If I was, like, five years younger than I am now, I probably yeah. would have, like, really, really gotten into it. Now. Yeah. Priya, if you had to pick a book to write fan fiction about today, what would it be?
1: I mean, I would feel like I'd need to be really versed in the world. I have this thing where I never feel like an expert in anything. And so, like, then I'm like, oh, what would I know enough about? I don't want to be, like, writing fan fiction and make a mistake. And everyone's like, that's not canon. Well, I do uh, want but... to say, I want to pause
0: right here because we've had a lot of glassers listening to your episode of Go Fact Yourself. And they're very impressed with you be-
1: and that you did so well. Oh, well, they were like, Listen, wow, Bria it's so good. I was so nervous. Um, <laughs> uh, that's very nice. Um, I mean, like, okay, so yeah, a Wayward Children one. That one's one I feel like I know the world pretty well because I've read all of the books. Um, but, man, if I could do it for a TV show, I feel like I'd be much better at it. Like Buffy. if I could do a Parks and Rec- Recreation fan fiction oh. or Buffy. <laughs> yeah, like there's a lot of those, and I'm like, I could write that for sure. But uh, the book ones are a lot harder, and I have mad respect for people who are like, they know the book world that like well enough to do it. Um, well, what's what funny about isn't fan fiction just a spec script for something? Yeah, yeah, but it's a. I mean, watching a thirty minute show, it's easier to like keep all that in your head. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh What? What about? What would you do? Well, I pr- mine are
0: not horny. I feel like a lot of fan fiction is horny. And it is I- horny, yeah. My non-horny ones, I'd probably fix the ending of His Dark Material series so it isn't the most heartbreaking thing ever.
1: Oh, wow. Had people done that? I bet that
0: that is I, available. I should look because I finally finished the His Dark Materials TV series because it took me so long because I would literally watch one, cry so hard, and then have to wait like three weeks to watch another one because I'm so <laughs> emotional about it. I literally had to wait for my boyfriend to be out of the house and I cried so hard that to the end of it, that like Mike, I scared the cats, uh, so I probably would <laughs> fix it. Uh, same with the mirror visitor books; I would fix, I would do the redo the ending to that to make it not so sad. And I would love to see a smutty continuation of the Essex serpent book. Uh, I should probably check to see that if that already exists. Uh, that would be yeah. very fun. Um, now, wh- final question that isn't in this thing it isn't in the outline but i'm very curious if you had to ship two book characters or i guess to any character tv tv characters movie characters whatever who is your ship oh i don't know uh um, one your one otp the one one true pairing is that what it is i think
1: i don't know i'd have to really think about it it does it is two characters tough. that aren't aren't normally together like I would do like Sinlin from Sinlin Ascends with like Giles from Buffy the Vampire <laughs> <laughs> That'd be kind two of bookish fun. Bookish nerds, two bookish nerds. You know, they that'd both be live awesome. In... Yeah. What about you?
0: I would do a self insert with me and Agent Skinner from the X Files. Uh, nice <laughs> man in glasses. Yeah, that would be it. That's that would I would write a lot of Agent Skinner fan fiction. That was just Agent yeah. Skinner going to the bookstore with me
1: Now, Skinner. <laughs> okay all right okay uh so you can
0: send your thoughts you fan- <laughs> can send your thoughts on fan fiction to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com now before we talk to some more fan fiction experts about hot fan fiction takes we're going to take a quick break Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Warby Parker. Bria, you know what's on my face right now? Are those Warby Parker? They are Warby Parker glasses. I like them. I love Warby Parker glasses. I have many pairs. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. So not only do I have Warby Parker glasses, but I have Warby Parker sunglasses in my purse right now.
1: Well, yeah,
0: I am. I never go back. I love them. They
1: are so easy. I love the way that they look. I have been getting Warby Parker glasses for years. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. And Try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses to try at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. Ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label.
0: Oh my god, I love the home try-on kit. I went on their website and I picked out five different glasses that I thought would look good on me. And I do I like that they also have they have all the different widths. So you can get narrow, mm-hmm. medium, or wide. I got a big old face, so I always <laughs> pick wide. But for a really long time I couldn't figure out why glasses didn't look good on me. And I just realized that I needed wide ones. So on ah. Warby Parker's website, you can just make sure you toggle the thing for wide. And I picked out five and they arrived at my house and i tried them on and then made jeremy look at me poor jeremy i'm like all right well what about this angle what about this angle (laughs) over here what about with my hair up what about with my hair down and then i picked the one that i like which are currently on my face and it got delivered to me it's so fantastic i got the blue blocking lenses which are really nice nice. oh it's so nice yeah there's like all these different enhancements that you can add you can get like the thinner lenses if you want oh so great i love warby parker So right now, if you're like, hmm, that sounds nice. I need new glasses. Maybe it's spring. You want a new color. You want new glasses. I know how it is. You can try five pairs of glasses at home for free. That's right. For free at WarbyParker.com slash Glasses. Glasses.
2: And here's what some of the listeners have to say.
0: It's funny, wholesome, and it never fails to make me smile.
2: I just started listening
0: and I'm already binging it. I haven't laughed this hard in ages. I wish i discovered it sooner.
2: You can find Dr. Game Show on MaximumFun.org.
0: So here we are. Very, very exciting. Double guest for our fan fiction episode today. We have friend of the show, Sarah Kuhn, and new friend of the show, Ariel Jovalanos. Both of you, thank you so much for coming. What are you reading?
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for having us. This is so exciting. Um, I think this is my third reading glasses appearance, so I'm just like extra excited for that. Um, You're
0: definitely in the Hall of Fame.
2: (laughs) I, I love it. I love that so much. Um, Yes. So what am I reading? I'm currently reading uh, two books. Um, the one is The Neighbor Favor by Christina Forrest. Uh, she is a YA romance author, and this is actually her adult romance debut, and it is delightful so far. It's about um, kind of a, an aspiring book editor and a sort of washed up author. Um, he only wrote one book, and like then the press went under, and he has not attempted writing another book again. Um, But she happens to be one of the biggest, most passionate fans of this book. And so they end up striking up an anonymous correspondence. They don't exactly know who the other person is. And I can report that they have just Moved into the same apartment building. Wow! Well, is I that like the like... the
0: the macro version of "there's only one bed"?
2: <laughs> right. Yes. There's only one apartment building in all of New York <laughs> <laughs> that they can move into. Um, and they don't like they've sort of spotted each. Other. They're like, "Oh, that person is like really hot," but they haven't really interacted yet. So they don't they don't know like that the other person is like the person they had this like intense, very intimate year-long email correspondence with. So it's very juicy. Like, I cannot wait to see what happens. She's a wonderful writer. It's just, like, delightful and sweet, and I can tell things are going to get spicy. Um, So very exciting. And then the second book, which I am about to start, is called The Flyer Lady. It's coming out, I think, in July. I have an arc, and it is by D.L. Soria. And it is basically a kind of twisted Cinderella retelling, Ooh. where um, Cinderella and her step family are actually grifters who are trying to con their way into high society. Um, oh, so love that it! Love is it! Like just the premise, I feel like is so irresistible. It's like. I had to read this immediately. So I'm very excited to start that as well.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, Ariel, what about you? Um,
3: so I also am a person who reads a bunch of things at the same <laughs> time, like through audio or um, just uh, reading in bed or whatever. But yeah. Um, so the first one that I'm reading is Making Comics by Linda Berry which Ooh. is just a really it's a really great I actually recommend even if you don't feel like you're um an artist or like like a person who draws I I think it's such a great book about kind of how to make comics without feeling like you need to know every little thing about drawing and then just sort of tapping into your like childlike creativity and mark making because we all um, grew up drawing in some capacity and then just stopped when um, we felt embarrassed or something or felt like we weren't good enough. And I feel like it's just a really great, inspirational and fascinating text about that. And then in terms of, yeah, yeah. In terms of like fiction, I have a couple of books right now. Uh, one I just got from the library, but I'm going to start. It's Siren Queen by Nivo. Which, Ooh, that's yeah. a big reading
0: glasses favorite.
3: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm really, really excited to start that. And then um, I have a book called Slippery Creatures by KJ Charles, which is sort of like a take on, I guess, 1800s adventure like literature but it's queer so I um that's all you gotta
0: say for the reading glasses
3: listeners (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and so far right now it's about this guy Will Darling who um kind of like inherited a bookstore from like an estranged uncle but then he finds that he accidentally somehow gets entangled with whatever his Mm -hmm uncle was doing and there's like this mysterious gentleman who decides he's going to help him
2: and i bet he's sexy (laughs)
0: Yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. that's i love i love this eclectic mix ariel that sounds like a great balance of things (laughs) that you're reading and also i just have to say linda berry is like one of my comics idols um, because I grew up in Oregon and so like I would read like Linda Berry comics all the time. And I got to meet her once when I was an adult, like at a book event and I, I cried. I did cry, I have to say that. Um oh, oh she's she such an inspiration and like the way she tells stories I think is so beautiful and I love how she encourages you to sort of reconnect with that childlike joy of creation. <laughs> Um, so that you can make comics, like, directly from the heart. Well, that's the perfect segue into you (laughs) both
0: telling us about your amazing new book that just came out.
2: Yes. So our book is called, it has the longest title ever. Um, I keep (laughs) keep trying to, like, make the title shorter, and then they're like, no, that's not the title. The title is Girl (laughs) Taking Over, Colon, A Lois Lane Story. And it is a DC Comics graphic novel for young readers. It's a YA graphic novel, um, and it is about an Asian-American, biracial, teenage version of Lois Lane. And um, we're following her as she has just graduated from high school. It's the summer between high school and college, and she is in the big city for the first time, National City, which is kind of DC's version of Los Angeles. And she is about to embark on her first big journalism internship. She's very excited. She has a very detailed life plan for how she wants things to go. And of course, because there wouldn't be a story if this didn't happen, everything immediately goes wrong. And so this story is kind of about her finding her voice, learning how to stand up for herself, experiencing life in the big city for the first time. And she really has to learn how to embrace the messiness of real life instead of sticking to a plan that she had all laid out for herself. And through it all, I think we see a lot of the classic Lois Lane qualities, that stubbornness, that quest for the truth, that sort of willingness to barge into any situation, no matter how uncomfortable. And yes, we both had a wonderful time doing this book. And Ariel, maybe you want to talk a little bit about the book just from your side of things.
3: Oh, yeah, I guess... First, I'll also say that it is a really long title. It, it's really hard to fit in Instagram. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes,
2: I. That's why I keep trying to find like a way to shorten it. But oh my goodness, longest title ever.
3: Yeah, yeah, but yes, girl taking over a Lois Lane story. It's also, um, I mean, from the point of view of drawing it, it's it's very much a book where if you enjoy kind of like. City as a character. Mm. Um, also, if I do say so myself, cute fashion. Yes, um,
0: I will say so. If you if, if you <laughs> feel, feel comfortable, I will say
3: so. <laughs> um, and sort of like, I guess from my point of view of reading the script, like, <laughs> um, like getting emotionally punched.
1: <laughs>
3: um, yeah, you will you will enjoy this script. There were definitely many times. Um, as I was as I was reading um, what Sarah was sending me that I would I would be like oh god this is this is so this is too relatable (laughs) um there were times that I just like I um I also felt like very overcome with emotion and like cried reading the script
0: oh (laughs) Um, my god yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah so I guess um if if you kind of want to read about um, what it's like um, being um, a person who is just trying to go out into the real world, into their first job and expecting perfection, but then finding that life sometimes falls short of that and what to do after. Um, I think this this is a really great book about that.
2: Yeah. And I I will also say that like, uh, like same, because when we would get the art back, me and um, Sarah Miller, who's our amazing editor at DC, um, we would get the art back and we would also be crying. Like, you know, sometimes writing a script might make you cry for different reasons. Um, I, you know, would make myself a little bit emotional sometimes, not always, you know, regarding the content, but just because I was stressed out. Um, but we would get the art back and Sarah like sometimes we you know we write notes to each other on the pages and sometimes the notes would just be like crying and then the next page it was like all caps with like five exclamation boys crying um but yeah like Ariel's art in this book is so beautiful it's so expressive um just the way that she like animated all of the characters and brought them to life and like Their relationships, their interactions, so beautiful, so vibrant. And Sarah, uh, the editor, and I also wanted like every outfit. Like every time we got something back, we'd be like, "Um, do I need like a Letterman's jacket now? Like, do I need to like- (laughs) The answer is yes. Yes, like do I need to be a person who starts wearing berets? Like there was like (laughs) a lot of that back and forth. So everything that Ariel- um, enjoyed about the script, we would also then like enjoy a thousand fold when we got the art back.
0: Oh, I love it. That's he- big praise coming from the author who got me to wear jumpsuits at author events.
2: So. <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> I blame that entirely on you. Um,
0: hundreds of dollars I've spent on jumpsuits. But I will co-sign the art in this is amazing. So speaking of incredible characters and making people cry, this episode is all about <laughs> Fan fiction. Now I know yes. you both have a lot of opinions about fan fiction, <laughs> so I'd love to know where you both started with it. Were you in college? Were you in middle school? Like, how did you first interact with it? Okay, uh, picture, yeah, picture Ariel.
2: I can to... hear the deep breath. No, 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 <laughs> no, like Ariel. Ariel, you should go first because I feel like you have like a, oh, a storied history with fan fiction.
3: I, yeah, I mean to this day, but
2: okay. <laughs> this.
3: you have A family computer and the internet. (laughs) Uh, You're Googling things. You're Googling like Sailor Moon and Pokemon, right? And then you find a website that is probably it's on Geocities. It is now like lost to the tide. But it's like this concept of... um, people can just write their own, essentially, episodes of Pokemon. Not only (laughs) that, they can kind of create their own characters. And maybe if you feel like reading about Ash Ketchum's daughter, for some reason, there's an entire GeoCities website about experiencing the adventures of this daughter. I no longer remember, like, any further details beyond that but I think there was just something so I don't know like magical and almost like legitimate about seeing these are you know playing pretend or or like making things up is just such like a um it's such like a childhood staple of things to do but then there was something about then seeing it like in, like, a nice font on a website. <laughs> Seeing it all realize, look all
0: legit. Yeah, and then you're
3: like, oh, my God. Like, people can just do this? <laughs> and then, yeah, and then uh, it just, you know, took off from
0: there. Yeah. So what um, about you, Sarah? Okay, what drew so you what's,
2: in? What's funny is um, I believe I am a little bit older, just a little <laughs> bit older than Ariel, and so... I think my first uh, experience with fan fiction was not even on a GeoCities site. Like, in middle school, high school, I can't remember exactly when, I was in a fan club for Star Trek Deep Space Nine.
1: Oh, my God. And
2: (laughs) um, as part of the fan club, there was, like, this newsletter that was photocopied on, like, real paper and stapled together. And would get like mailed out to the different members. Oh my god. Um, It was amazing. I had to see if I still have some of them because truly the content produced was incredible. But that was where I think I first learned about even the concept of fan fiction. I feel like there were a lot of stories kind of being exchanged, or there were a lot of like um, I don't know, like different pairings being thrown around. And so that was kind of how I, I realized, oh, like there's, there are like people who write more stories about these characters that we're all so obsessed with. Um, and so, you know, I think people would like put stories in that newsletter or sometimes like send them back and forth on email or even print it out in like different stapled together newsletters. Um, and that's how I first, I think, kind of became aware of fan fiction and started reading it because you know, at that point in time, the internet was starting to be a thing. It was definitely like coming up with like the different like bulletin boards and stuff, but it certainly wasn't what it is now. And so it did, you know, there wasn't quite the level of communication going back and forth on the internet. So it was sort of a way of like extending the discussion of your favorite show. Mm -hmm. Um, And because I was a very obsessive child, like this seemed like the best thing ever that like there were almost, like, more episodes of the show available just in written form. Um, yeah, so that- <laughs> like, you
3: almost didn't kind of have a difference in your mind of, mm-hmm. okay, this is, like, canon and this is, like, fanon. Like, it it just was all part of the same enjoyment of this thing, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like you both at some point dipped your toe in and either wrote fanfiction or started drawing fan art. Yes.
3: So
2: <laughs> I
3: I definitely made a fanfiction.net account. Like I definitely uh, I don't know. I bypassed the you have to be sixteen thing, whatever, you know. And I started writing fanfiction in like middle school, which is it like I would start it in like A notebook and then I would kind of like put it on a floppy disk (laughs) this is the era of floppy disk oh boy yeah yeah yeah. and and then just write like um oh so a a thing that I I like the theory of fan fiction for I think why it's so enjoyable at least for me is that it is about filling in the gaps Mm -hmm. right it's it's like finding gaps of what's like undiscovered or like a material in the show that you're like, you have questions about that just never get answered. So for me, um, the um so it was a lot harder to watch anime in order back in the day. <laughs> was, you were trying to watch it like on adult swim at night on a school night. And so sometimes you miss... Um, whatever episode of Inuyasha and then so <laughs> for me I'm like oh because I don't know what's happening in between these like gaps in Inuyasha I'm just going to make it up out, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna make it up and I'm going to I'm going to make it up I'm going to read other people making it up and then still kind of get the enjoyment as if I was watching it anyway um, so yeah yeah that's <laughs> sort of how I got into writing it and then also drawing it.
2: Yeah, and I think um, for me also similar in terms of like filling in the gaps. I I remember like the first fan fiction story I wrote and I wrote it like in a notebook with a pen. I didn't post it anywhere, share it with anyone. It was really just for me so I could fill in something that was bothering me. When I was younger, I read a lot of uh, Dragonlance and Forgotten Realms books. And oh yes. And, but <laughs> I read, because again, like the internet wasn't as much of a thing. I didn't really know, like it, at that point there were like tons of those books out. So I didn't know like what order they went in or, you know, what came before what, or what had been written first or what had been written last. So I remember I got this one book from the one bookstore in my tiny hometown. And it had what I thought was like this amazing female protagonist, Kidiara, And I was so obsessed with her, like it was, you know, this whole book about her adventure with like someone else who was in like the main Dragonlance party. Uh, I just thought it was so good. So then um, when I went to read the main series, I realized that the book I had read was a prequel that had been written after the main series. So I was like, okay, I'll go read the main series, which has tons of this character, right? That I've fallen in love with. Well, it turns out that in the main series, she is a villain. Um, she becomes this like evil, like dragon lord <laughs> villain who's like set on murdering her brothers um, and everyone else that they care about, and everyone who's coded as a good guy. Um, and so, in the in the main series, she's actually a very unsympathetic, super villainous character. And this was really upsetting to me because. Uh, in the in the, this prequel book, she had been like one of my favorites, and I was like, I can't wait to read about all this characters' adventures. And then that was not what I ended up reading. So the first fan fiction story I ever wrote was very, actually, very innocent. It was it was another prequel, and it was about this group of core characters, including Kittyara, um, who was kind of the main character of my story. And they, it's just like a day where they go to the fair. Like it's oh my so, god innocent it's so wholesome like there was nothing like sexy about it um (laughs) but it was sort of a way for me to be like remember when they were friends like remember when you know she wasn't like this big bad villain that she becomes in the main series um so it was sort of like you know soothing that wound or like making what happened in actual canon like more okay for me I guess um, yeah. And I think that that is what, um, like you a would lot of call <laughs> um, that's what you would call um a fix-it fix fic. it fix. <laughs> yes, it yes. was a total it was a total fix it fic about going to the fair.
0: Oh my god! So, <laughs> I, God, I love that so much. Uh, so, are there any misconceptions about fan fiction that you both wish would just disappear?
3: Um. Yeah. So, I think that maybe there's like a misconception that it somehow requires less like creativity or skill than original media because I do feel like the skills are are different but you know I've I've seen fan art and red fic that could genuinely be a creator's magnum opus it's not mm-hmm. good you know, and then besides that, too, I feel like there are just so many authors and artists right now who like they their ability has come up from drawing fan art or writing fan fiction. And I think the creation of either of those doesn't make them like less a legitimate um, person who might have learned to draw or uh, write in in maybe more like a acceptable format like schooling or something yeah
2: yeah i mean s- similar to that i think like i was kind of thinking about this and like i don't know misconceptions or things that i you know still bother me or whatever um but i think that um probably the biggest is when someone use someone uses fanfic as a way of like insulting writing so when they're like Mm -hmm. oh this book read like fan fiction and it's obviously supposed to be an insult like that's obviously supposed to be derogatory in some way and you know I've gotten that thrown at my writing certainly I've seen it thrown at writing that I really love like books I really love and I think like what I guess is sort of like gross and revealing about that is that a lot of fan fiction, like, especially the kind that I think, you know, like, maybe my writing or other writing that I enjoy, like, the the kind that it gets compared to, is that a lot of times it is something that is capturing joy, or wish fulfillment, Mm -hmm. or whatever, for marginalized characters. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's sort of like, okay, so you can have, A book about a middle aged white academic professor whose gorgeous female students all want to throw (laughs) themselves at him. And that, like, never gets that comparison. That's like super serious, important literature. But when you have, like, a book or a story about, say, a woman of color or a queer person, like, enjoying themselves. Then suddenly it gets this, like, oh, that's self indulgent. That's fanfic. That's like fan fiction. That's, you know, underrated. That's, that's a self insert. That's yeah. like all of these things that are supposed to be bad. And I'm kind of like, you know what? Like a lot of people I know, um, they'll say, like, when I had like a horrible reading slump and like everything seemed terrible and I couldn't do anything. The only thing I could actually read was fan fiction. The only thing getting me through was fan fiction. And I hate how much we devalue that. You know, it's sort of mm-hmm. like, who gets to experience joy? Whose wishes get to get fulfilled? Who gets to like, indulge themselves? And I feel like that is like very telling when someone says that's, that this reads like fan fiction as an insult. So- <laughs> so Lord of the
0: Rings is fan fiction okay
2: <laughs> exactly. like <laughs> exactly and you know yeah. it's sort of like I actually think I would like for us to like reclaim fan fiction as like a compliment like when someone says to me this read to me like fan fiction I'm like thank you because that probably means that you enjoyed it um perhaps that means that some marginalized characters who don't usually get a chance in the spotlight and Mm -hmm. don't get to feel joy and don't get their wishes fulfilled. Like they actually got all of those things, which is actually really cool. So yeah, I feel like for me, the misconception is like using fan fiction as like this weird insult for something that gave you joy. Oh my I, god. Dude. I think that's yeah. extremely
0: spot on. So on that yeah. note, what do you both think are the benefits of reading or creating fan fiction?
3: Yeah. I mean, to Sarah's point, like my my anecdotal observation is also that it's it, you know, what fan fiction does is that it allows a space and community for you to or like readers to like change, reinvent or rebuild a story without like mainstream gatekeeping and I think that is why so many marginalized and especially like queer folks write so much fan fiction and find community in in fandom because it is just so like joyful and self-indulgent that that you know that's the purpose of it there's like no one to say oh that's that's not marketable whatever that's that's Mm -hmm. like completely not the point of it it's it's sort of It is a space for like self-indulgent, fun creation, and uh, yeah. To Sarah's point, to to say that that's a bad thing, I guess you hate fun. (laughs) That's what these people
0: do. (laughs) Yeah.
3: And then uh, the other thing that I would maybe I don't want to like make a blanket assumption, but I would maybe perhaps like argue that if you have existed in a world where like all like mainstream storytelling already does kind of cater to you. Mm. Maybe <laughs> you don't see like a reason why um, spaces like fandom would be necessary. But if you do exist in a world where like you would love to see like yourself um, like uh, you know be the hero, like fall in love, etc sometimes sometimes and thankfully like publishing traditional publishing is catching up the only place to like get that is in fandom or fan spaces so um th- I, yeah that I think that's that's like such a huge benefit and like again has been like the training ground for so many um people who started in fandom and are now making their way through traditional publishing
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it is, like, just, you know, at the base of it, it's, like, a good way to sort of, like, practice writing where you already have a world built, where you already have Mm -hmm. characters. Like, you don't necessarily have to do all that legwork, so you can start just figuring out the fundamentals of telling a story. And Mm -hmm. then, yeah, like, along the lines of what Ariel is saying, um, I just think, like, One reason fan fiction has been really empowering for a lot of people is that you can put someone like you at the center of the story. And, you know, if you grew up watching any sort of like gigantic franchise, you know, sometimes it was hard to find someone like you in the story. I think, like, along the lines of what we were talking about is, you know, if you've been catered to all of your life, if you're used to seeing that, you know, you're a white, straight, cis man with no marginalizations, you're used to seeing yourself the center of the story all the time, perhaps that is not a revelation to you. Perhaps that is why you cannot understand why it's important. But I think, um, you know, seeing fan fiction writers from the beginning of time, like always putting characters who maybe were not going to get that spotlight at the center of a story is really important and can be empowering. and like perhaps for some people reading or looking at you know fan fiction, fan art, what fan works, whatever it is, um maybe that's that could be the first time they've seen someone like them centered in a story, and that might spark something. Um, you know, I've said a lot that, like, one reason that I didn't uh, become, like, a, a fiction writer, a novelist for a really long time, one reason that I didn't really know you could, you know, make, like, an Asian American woman a center of a story is because I didn't really see that growing up. And so, you know. And look I, at
0: you now. <laughs> it, it,
2: it, you know, but, like, if you see that, I think then that's, that's something that makes it a little easier to imagine in your own work. Hell yeah. So
0: now to the, now to the, the stuff we all really want to know about. What are your favorite <laughs> ships? <laughs> what are the characters that you want to, or ha- maybe have written about Want want to see things like, or just like in, in current, like the media that you're currently consuming? What are just like characters that you love that you would love to see something about?
2: Ariel, I know you must have tons okay. of answers to this. I could hear yeah. our, our, our I Ariel really, like
0: see. bursting at the seams.
3: I can feel. I I, feel like I was preparing.
0: To, <laughs> I was just trying to be polite and like, <laughs> <laughs> She she pulls down just like a giant power. Yeah,
2: I feel, feel like she, it's oh that. God. Yeah, it's like one of those memes where like someone's showing you like the murder board with all the strings yeah. like connecting <laughs> different photos and stuff. <laughs> oh God. Okay.
3: Well. Yeah, I will I'll like say that I I do read a lot of fan fiction. I I think it, it's just been like a a like a, a nice it, it it tends to be like a nice bedtime story situation uh-huh. for me. <laughs> um so I have I have gone through many things. I have read like some not amazing things I've read some amazing things but that said um I think I guess I'll I'll start actually with so there is this um book series that I've been reading that I know that the author has come from like fandom and it it definitely shows in the work in like the most amazing way um and that series is The Last Binding by Freya Mosk Mm -hmm. who um it starts with A Marvelous Light and then goes into A Restless Truth and then it will be there'll be the third book releasing this year which I okay I I need this book (laughs) um which is called a power unbound anyway so it's kind of like this um edwardian magic oh, we've
0: talked about this book on the show i'm well aware oh, yes yes <laughs> anyway i okay
3: the it's so good but especially so in the second book there like she teases the the ship that is so clearly going to be the subject of the third book and i have such insane brain worms for this. <laughs> you don't understand you do not understand it is, it is, okay you on one end you have this tall rich like man on the other end you have this like this grew up poor like uh <laughs> this grew up poor like journalist who hates the bourgeoisie and then somehow this is they are going to like somehow fall in love I think (laughs) every time they are on this page that are not even the main characters in the second book I'm like oh my god they
0: kiss 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 they they are
3: they are like they are resisting so hard to rip each other's clothes off right now (laughs) that is that is what's happening like in the subtext of all of this and then so i i think the joy of this series is that um she makes that subtext text which, will be, <laughs> which i assume that will be a large part of this third book anyway so i'm i'm very into that right now um, amazing In previous things that I've been into I feel like oh god is it is whatever I'll just say it we're (laughs) on this fiction podcast okay so actually this is kind of tied into how I got into like even in in the business of comics and I've I've told this story Mm -hmm. before But basically, what had happened was after I graduated art school, I was like, okay, I'm just going to um, catch up on all of the things that I missed, like in pop culture that I didn't really get to watch um, because I was just so busy, like with school. And one of those things actually were the entire. Avengers movies all of them. I just didn't <laughs> watch any of them.
0: not going where I thought it was going. To go. was very <laughs> oh <my God>. intrigued.
3: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I hadn't watched any of them. The one that came out at the time that Tumblr was insane about when I graduated was The Winter Soldier so oh, now um, i know yeah where this is. yeah <laughs> okay now it
2: like it all comes together it's like now we know where this is
3: going okay, <laughs> okay. Hold, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Okay. okay anyway though so but the, but first before winter soldier i watched uh the avengers just like the regular avengers movie mm-hmm. and um I, okay it's funny now because I don't think this now but at the time I think probably because I hadn't watched any of the other movies that were building up to it I was like eh this is okay and I even like kind of paused in the middle to take a nap but then the thing that kind of like the thing that kind of like made me like keep watching was like oh you know this this Captain America fellow he's pretty handsome let me keep watching this um and then and then I kept watching it and I was like oh there's movies about this guy there's just movies about this one okay cool let me watch those and then um and then I was like okay yeah no this this Captain America guy this Steve (laughs) Rogers guy there's just something about him I need to know more (laughs) um and then obviously I guess I just thought rather than sift through like Years of um, Marvel comics. <laughs> I was like, well, "Let me just see what's going on on A O 3
0: There turns out quite a bit, <laughs> quite a lot.
3: Yeah. Um. Anyway, I think you can kind of see
0: where this, uh-huh. where this we got a, a, a stucky situation, I'm assuming. Oh. Oh yeah.
3: Oh yeah. And then, um. The other thing though, too, is that weirdly it's how how this kind of does segue into how I got into how I broke into comics is that I yeah, so then I started just drawing like fan art of like Cap and then like all the other Avengers, and then that I, I eventually was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a comic. The one that I chose was Young Avengers because it felt like uh-huh. the easiest entryway point. I started drawing fan art of that. And then I was like, oh, comics is, I guess I just started, like, processing, like, oh, comics is, like, a thing that I could possibly, like, um, get into because uh, sort of at the time I was seeing um, artists who, like, drew, like, Better than me, but similar to me, like Annie Wu and Babs Tar. Mm. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. Like, maybe maybe one day, maybe one day I will, like, get to draw a superhero comic. Um, And then so I was just started following like editors and the scene and all of that. And then and then that's actually how I just got contacted to draw my first like job and then, so all that to say, yeah, getting, <laughs> following my thirst of Captain America <laughs> into Stucky and then drawing like fan art inadvertently led me to my first comic gig. And then, probably, is how I wound up then being on this podcast. Because <laughs> and, and because I now have like a, a DC book and I did wound up getting to draw. A superhero you yeah know? you
2: are an American hero <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, know. I know I didn't know that story that like I learned something new on this podcast I didn't wow. know that you came into it like through like Avengers fan fiction and that <laughs> I love that you got you had like your introduction to like the Marvel universe and like Marvel continuity was like through fanfiction instead of the comics, like, you've got no, sort because of, like, know would, I know. you got know, no, the know. time it's, for that. No one's got so the much, time. So yes, because
3: <laughs> what would happen is that in the fanfic, they would, like, obviously Steve is interacting with other characters, <laughs> yeah. so I'd be like, who's that? Yeah. Like, who's, <laughs> who's, who's, like, who's, um, Nick Fury? Who's right. that? Who's, right. who's Natasha? Right. Like, and then and then, I, and then, like, the more I read, the more I was like, oh, I understand, like, the continuity and <laughs> who these people are. I got it.
2: <laughs> no, I love, I love It's like you yes. got an alternate history of, like, Marvel comics, like Avengers continuity. That is really amazing. And I also see now how you got to Kate Bishop, who is, like, yes. maybe one of yes. the characters you're most known for drawing, like, some of, like, the most amazing fan art. Like, I feel like you have, like, a special connection to her. And now I feel like I know where that connection came from. Yeah, All right, Sarah, you yeah. got to spill your thirstiness. It's your okay, turn. okay, <laughs> yes, okay. okay us, so my, mine, like, I was thinking about this, especially in terms of fan fiction. And mine is also kind of like, um, old school, like Marvel Comics related. So um, I always loved both uh, Jean Grey and Emma Frost I was originally like a Phoenix girl and then I also loved Emma and like I love them together and I was always like really like deeply upset that that turned into sort of a team situation where it was like you can like one of them or the other but you can't like both the fans who like one or the other are like mortal enemies like it's not you know that always like really upset me and I also don't hate Cyclops like I actually like all three of them I think the answer to their problem actually should have just to become a thruffle. Um, I was going to say, but, three, some, three, like, some. Yeah, like, I don't understand why that wasn't obvious to everyone. But um, especially Jean and Emma, I just always felt like they should be, like, very powerful allies. Like, they should be, like, amazing friends. Like, and McGuire and I have talked about how, because she was, like, very, like, firmly an Emma girl. Like, we've talked about how, like, someday we want to write the Marvel comic that's, like, them going on a road trip together. Um, Just because I think that's, like, something they need to do. Um, But one of my, like, they've always been, like, a favorite pairing of mine. And actually one of my favorite fan fictions, which, like, I still think about sometimes, I don't remember the name of it. I'm pretty sure it's on AO3. Um, And I also, you know, I don't always like to give out specific details of fanfic, because I know sometimes the authors are, like, want to keep that private or like, you know, don't want that blasted out into the world or whatever. But there was this one really amazing, beautifully written multi-part fanfic, which was kind of, um, kind of an ague. It was basically Jean and Emma were both in college together at this like fancy East coast university. I'm pretty sure it was set in the seventies, their roommates And they have this sort of series of adventures and, like, I think they get in trouble because there's, like, pot in their room and Emma ends up taking the fall because, like, she can afford it more than Jean can. Like, she comes from this, like, really rich, like, old money family and Jean doesn't. But they end up falling in love and they have like this beautiful oh my like, God. melancholy, like because the ending is the ending of the fic, it did it did wrap up, but the ending was kind of bittersweet because it was like, I think Emma gets kicked out of school because of the pot. And so they have like this one last night together before parting oh and gosh. they don't think they're gonna see each other again. And like I I need to look this up again because also I know like in fan fiction, a lot of times you keep your identity anonymous, but like I needed, like, this writer to write, like, full novels of, like, beautiful, like, lesbian longing and, like, romance and just, like, the emotion of it was so intense that I think it gave me, like, what I had always wanted from that pairing, where, like, once, like, Cyclops was not around and once they kind of had a chance to really see each other, they realized that, this tension between them is actually incredible chemistry (laughs) and they need to be together. Um, but yeah, that was one fan fiction that I was like obsessed with. Like I was already obsessed with that ship and that fanfic was something that sort of like gave me everything I wanted. And it was also just like a beautiful tender love story in its own right.
0: Oh my God. This is the beauty of fan fiction folks. So (laughs) Before we go, where can we find your new amazing book? And tell us a little bit about the event that you have coming up in L.A. this weekend.
2: Oh, yes. Okay. Well, you can find our book with the longest title ever, um, Girl (laughs) Taking Over, A Lois Lane Story. Should be available wherever books and comics are sold. Um, And then we are doing a Los Angeles launch event this weekend. It'll be on Sunday at 4 p.m. at the beautiful Rip Bodice Bookstore in Culver City. And um, it's me and Ariel and our incredible colorist, Olivia Pacini, who also lives in Los Angeles. She's worked on shows like Tuca and Birdie. She's amazing. The palette she came up with for this book is gorgeous. It's so beautiful. Um, So she's going to do that event with us. And it will be moderated by my old friend, Janelle Riley, who's an amazing uh, writer, journalist, host, interviewer. I've actually never been interviewed by her so this is very exciting. And then we have um, a special guest appearances by Ooh. my dear friend Keiko Agena and Emily Caroda and if you don't if you do not immediately recognize those names, they played Lane Kim and Mrs. Kim on the Gilmore Girls. So we are reuniting what? the Asian Gilmore Girls and they're going what? to do something really cool. And I feel like you don't want to miss it. So yes, RIP Bodice, Sunday, 4 p.m. It's going to be a huge, amazing party.
0: Awesome. Well, there'll be a link in the show notes to both the book and the event. Thank you both so much for coming on the show and telling us about your horniness.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for giving us the opportunity.
0: Now it's time to answer a bookish question from one of our listeners. Eliza writes in, Hi, Mallory and Bria. This is a photo attached of my bookmark collection. I acquired all of these from elementary school through the present day. When I was in middle school, I used to count them regularly, so I know there are at least a thousand of them. I am trying to get rid of things I don't need. I definitely don't need a thousand bookmarks, but some of them are sentimental, so I'll probably curate it down to a small collection of cool ones. My question is this What should I do with the ones I get rid of? It seems sad to just recycle them. Should I leave them randomly in the little free libraries around the neighborhood? Do you have any other suggestions? My wheelhouse includes complicated families, time. Travel, the 90s, precocious teens, environmental dystopia, and magical realism. Thanks for the podcast. I listen every week. Bria, what do you Basically think? Basically,
1: my wheelhouse. I feel like yeah. that's my wheelhouse. Um, I like this sentence. I definitely don't need a thousand bookmarks. <laughs> I appreciate the self-awareness of I definitely don't need a thousand bookmarks is very funny. Cause there are times I think I don't need three pairs of linen pants. <laughs> but you know what? I keep them all. I keep them all. They're all in the drawer. I don't need three pairs. But I do like them, and I. But thank you. I think if for they're your sparking joy,
0: then you can keep them. I. But it doesn't sound like these bookmarks are sparking joy anymore.
1: No, 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 it doesn't. So I did a little bit of research. Uh, there's a couple of places. So there's a place called Confetti, the Confetti Foundation, who uh, accepts bookmarks as donations, oh. and they make birthday boxes for kids who have to spend their birthday in the hospital, which is very sweet. Oh. There's a lot of guidelines of what you can send and can't, like so no religious messages. They need to be thick. You know, book, like go by the reading glasses. They have to be thick, nothing, nothing flimsy. They also need to be creative, so like not just pieces of paper. And the info is all on their website, and we'll link to that. But it's confettifoundation.org. There's also this place that came to mind called Scrap that I went to first in Portland, Oregon, but it, it's expanded to other places, uh, multiple locations in other cities, and they collect the, collect things like this and resell them at low costs for teachers, so teachers can use them and this seems like something teachers would love like because yeah if you don't mind that your bookmark collection would be like cut up and used for things like kids could use this kind of stuff i did email them to see if this is the kind of thing they could take because i could just see teachers going like i have a project i want to make but it's going to take a thousand bookmarks and Mm -hmm. i'm like trying to find these thousand bookmarks uh i haven't heard back but um if I do, we'll let you know. But you could also probably email Scrap as well. They have it's hard to figure out where you if you can donate or if they're taking donations. But there are places like this that collect stuff for teachers and that felt like something
0: Yeah where it's I like, know, okay, idea. I need
1: to make the like five giant peacocks, you know, with like and like, you know, like with all like bookmarks or something. I don't know. There just seems like there's something that could be done here for reuse. But definitely look into confetti foundation and we'll let you know if we hear back. But from scrap, but there's probably something else. What do you have for Eliza?
0: Oh, I do want to say I understand this. I am a bookmark lover. I'm a bookmark saver. I have bookmarks I that I had from middle school. Funnily enough, I actually have Lord of the Rings bookmarks from middle school. Um, from when me and my friend were reading Lord of the Rings fan fiction. And when do you have a thousand? Book- no, I only have two.
1: thousand's a lot.
0: A thousand's a okay. lot. Um, no, wait, I how agree. many like in your
1: collection? In your oh collection. no no no, I think I
0: probably have mm, fifty bookmarks, but um. That's a lot. It's a lot, and I agree. Uh, El- Eliza does not need a thousand of them. You just never, you're never going to use them. It's just a waste of space. Uh, honestly, most of my ideas about getting rid of them involve passing them on to people who probably don't want them either. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I think leaving them in books and little free libraries is a good idea, but a thousand is a lot. That's a lot of trips to the little free library, like i'll take you well a-
1: take more than one when you go so you don't have to go a thousand <laughs> times no, but i mean even if
0: you take a handful each time like that's a lot of that's a lot like it's just a lot to do what i'm I, what i'm saying is i think that's a lot of work on eliza's part to get rid of all of them i think yeah you just you should go through them and recycle the ones that aren't cool like every everyone has a mm-hmm. bookmark that's like from a bookstore that's not That just doesn't have a fancy bookmark, you know, and just recycle them. Remember, maybe Mm -hmm. they'll come out as another cooler bookmark one day and that's, that's fine. The rest, you know, maybe you could bring in a little plastic cup to the little free library and stick a handful in there. That'll be a lot less work than trying to put them in, into each individual book. If you're a crafter, maybe you can use them for scrapbooking, but I'm with you, Bri. I think you should don't, like if you can donate them, great. But if you can't, if it feels like too much work, I think you should recycle them guilt free. Like keep the really cool ones. Um, and the ones that aren't cool, just recycle them. They'll, it's fine. They'll become another piece of paper and maybe they'll become a book or another bookmark or something, something book related and it'll be great. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll be toilet paper. Who knows? But they'll get a new life as something more useful than something that's sitting in your drawer and taking up space and probably making you feel a little bit overwhelmed. So we're absolving you of all your book guilt. Um, uh, but hopefully we'll get an email back from this, uh, foundation and, uh, people can, people can send their bookmarks there, but until then you can just recycle them. It's fine. Uh, if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to reading glasses, podcast at gmail.com. As always I want to thank the wonderful mods who are on our, our Facebook group. And remember you want to look hot and bookish, which is just redundant at this point. Okay. <laughs> and you want to support us and help us pay our bills, you can buy all kinds of cool stuff over at our void merch store. There's totes and shirts and stickers. It is fantastic. Someone in the the slack recently posted their reading glasses shirt and You can get them in all different colors and all different fabrics. And this person had like a lime green one and it was really cool. So check it out. There's all kinds of cool stuff. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to do something totally free for us, that really makes a big difference for the show. You can rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. Uh, You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast. On Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening
1: and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading.